podcast world. What's up? What's up? What's up? Breaking it down with Chad and Alex back at you. Part of the This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast series brought to you by a couple different partners this week. Don't be getting all mad. Oh, here we go with some sponsorship. We got to pay the bills, you know. Got to keep these podcasts coming at you by the sounds of the direct messages and what we read and what we hear. People enjoy them. Trying to be different. Today's episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast, Breaking It Down series with Chad and Alex is brought to you, of course, by the one and only Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey, the iconic Jack Daniels. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. We're going to talk a little bit about Jack Daniels in today's podcast because we enjoyed a couple of them with what we're breaking down. Our podcast is also brought to you by Made With Meat. M-E-A-T, made with meat, meet your maker. Butchering, processing, game, wild game, domestic meats, vegetables, you name it. Everything from grinders to mixers to vacuum sealers to saws, different size saws for cutting through bone. This company is so innovative. It's like having a butcher shop in your garage, but one that you take pride in. You've heard us break it down here before and talk about everything that meat has to offer. But again, Crosby, they are awesome, right? I I was just sitting here thinking about the saws and how it's it's important it's so important to have a good bone saw. And you know, a lot of people take it for granted. You, they go out and by a, a POS and the blades break or, you know, you think about a point of sale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> POS yeah you think in retail right now? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, like when you skull cap an animal, you screw that up, man. It, you know, you're, you're what you work so hard for. I'm not saying it's gone forever, but you know, someone's got to put it back together. No, or, a good bone saw is a necessity. Yeah. The handle, the grip, the strength, the bend, the give, the solidarity, the sharpness. Yeah, it, it isn't a hacksaw from Home Depot. I mean, that's just that's what a lot of people use because they don't know any better. Or they they don't know where to get one or how to source one. But a, a real legit stainless steel bone saw. So you got it's a must have. But here's the deal: take pride in your wild game butchering and processing, making sure that none of that meat, that precious meat, gets freezer burnt. Vacuum seal it. Take the time. And that's what meat does, man. It gives me so much pride to take it out, use it, clean it, put it back up on the shelf, and just sit there and gaze at it, visualizing my next experience, my next encounter with it. Sounds kind of dramatic, I guess, but I'm telling you, that's the way that this product makes me feel. I get giddy. And I was thinking today, I made lunch for the crew, and I was sitting there at Crosby, and I was like, I love hunting. I love hanging. I love cutting up. I love partying. I love everything that goes into this awesome lifestyle. But I absolutely feel right now at this point in my life in my mid forties that I'm happiest when I'm cooking. And I, I just yeah, like, I'm literally like, so I could be exhausted. I could be stressed. I could be anxiety, whatever it is that comes with business and everyday life. And I start cooking and throwing things together and might have a podcast going, might have some music going, sharing a, a glass of, you know, a little two fingers of Jack Daniels while I'm throwing down. I'm at my happiest when I'm cooking. It, it, I think you just described it with maybe not knowing how you described it, but it's all about, like you said, the tunes are on or a podcast is on. You got to drink. And I mean, I, I don't cook like you cook, but I, I, I felt what you just said. 
And I do enjoy that. You know what I mean? When you're, for me, it's just all about, you know, like I said, those, those other elements going on and then you're, you're doing something, you know, you're, you're cooking something, you're preparing something, you're marinating something or, or you're grinding something, whatever, you know, you could be doing anything, but when you have all that around and you got a couple buddies with you, people over, you can't, it's hard not to have a good time, you know? Yeah. And I love it. And I'm, I just, just check them out. Made with meat, meet your maker on Instagram, made with meat.com. I'm telling you, get the meat family. They are bad ass. We're breaking down Talladega. The National Speedway, the Super Speedway, Talladega, Alabama, NASCAR, NASCAR Truck Series. We were down there. We were hanging. We were more than hanging. It started with meeting Noah Gregson, who you've heard right here on This Life Ain't For Everybody. I think he got a dub last weekend. He just won again in Martinsville. The dude is a badass. Fast. He's so fast. And so is the other driver we're going to talk about in the NASCAR Truck Series today, Mr. Tate Fogelman, truck number 12. But that all came about with our good buddy, mutual friend of Alex and I's, Dave DeRosa. He's just like, man, you need to get Gregson, Noah Gregson, on the podcast, and we did. And he's coming back on here, not in the net, you know, not in the not too near future, in like two weeks. Kid sponsored by several people and companies in the hunting industry, and he's just fast. But that led to us meeting Noah Gregson and his dad Jay and his race manager Brandon McReynolds, and getting invited to be part of his truck. And I didn't know Crosby was coming. It was a surprise that he's down at Talladega National Speedway. But DeRosa set it up that way. But, man, what a freaking experience being that integrated into – this is my first NASCAR experience. I've been to Indy a lot, you know, half a dozen times. But this was my first NASCAR experience, and we freaking won Talladega. Isn't that weird to say we won Talladega? Like, I picture Talladega Nights, if you're not first, you're last. And if you don't chew Big Red, then F you and all the shit that and even the overacting that Will Ferrell did in the movie. The movie's growing on me a little bit. It really has in certain scenes. It's funny. But um, we won Talladega. Can you imagine? It, it literally was like the one of the craziest and coolest things I've ever experienced. It, and I think back. You know, because I had been to one NASCAR thing before, but never, never the caliber that you know we did in Talladega. Which you know, we were down in the garages. You know, we were looking for Tate. Obviously, you know the they're just like every other athlete. You know, they they got to get in the right headspace, and you know, so you had called him, and we couldn't get a hold of him, and we were lost. It's huge. Talladega is huge, obviously. Huge. And uh. Just walking down that, I don't even know what it was. It was like the the driveway to the track, and you know, there's Tate. It would be considered like the behind the scenes. Yeah, you, know? yeah, you got to yeah. have a special pass to get in there. Yeah, like backstage. Yeah, and, and there's Tate, and it's like twenty, thirty minutes before race time, and and it was like the the most gracious, like welcoming, welcoming from a guy that's about to go do you know two hundred yeah, miles like an hour me. around a track. It was like he was he was just pumped to be chatting with us and. Showing us the truck, which was all wrapped and first time ever out on the track with, with that wrap on it. And and then, I mean, I don't know if you knew, but then we go sit on the toolbox, which is like, that's like sitting on the bench, dude, at a, at a basketball game or something. You know, like, we're just up there, literally. Yeah, we're sitting on pit row. Pit, yeah, we're, we're sitting, sitting on his pit box. Four, four feet away from the trucks going around. They gave us the headsets. You could hear the drivers talking. And, and not just like the, the cheesy 
Like, dude, if you would have pushed the button, you would have been talking to, oh, the, yeah, to the guy talking. driving the car. Dude. You'd he have a just, cougar in your front yeah, seat with you. I know. I put it there. No, we did. We really did. We were sitting on top of the pit box with the race crew, the crew chief, and all the entire pit crew. Jay Fogelman, his dad, uh, you know, Leith Lofton was with us, our good mm -hmm. buddy Leith Lofton. Drew Keith from Honeybreak and, and his wonderful wife came and met us. But we were sitting on top of the pit box. Those pit stops are incredible, too. That's, oh, yeah. That shit blows my mind. Those guys are like high-caliber athletes. They're all big and buff and quick and f flexible and nimble. And, I mean, they're in and out with tires and freaking – I mean, we can go on and on about what that – but that, that was a team effort to win that race. Oh, yeah. And it's his first race. He's never placed in the top ten on a super speedway. All of a sudden we're there, and he wins Talladega with in, being involved in two wrecks. So the pit crew comes in even more, you know, importance, you know, playing more of an important role in it because now they're taping pieces of the truck back together mm -hmm. to, you know, not, to not let the air get into it that slows it down big time. I mean, they literally are, I don't know, I, I'd say that that pit crew might have won the race. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from Tate's driving. The dude is just straight talented and fast as hell. But that pit crew, man, if they would have skipped one beat, they don't win that race. Right. It, it, that's kind of the weird maybe lesser known aspect of racing is like how much skill and strategy goes into, you know, they're not just out there mashing the, the gas pedal down and, you know, ripping around. There's, there's a lot of strategy and Dave would be able to speak about it even more, but you know, you, we, you could hear them over the radios discussing when to pit, when not to pit, you know, they're only doing gas. They only want this tire. They're adjusting the chassis on the truck, like while they're driving, which I'm sure everybody that watches NASCARs know they, they do that, but it's a, it's a heck for the person that just watches it casually. It's a lot more than just guys driving around in a circle in fast cars. You know what I mean? It's just, it, there really is a huge, you know, element of skill and strategy to it. And that was, that was cool to see. But when you think back, it was like a whirlwind, dude, like, it's just so fast. Because his dad said, hey, Tate typically outdrives these super speedways or something like that, right? He, 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 he drives too, too fast. fast. Yeah. He gets himself in trouble. Yeah, and he said, I, I don't expect him to win. He just always drives these courses too fast. And no. then it's like, I don't know, what was it, 120 laps or 150 laps? I don't like 94 laps. <clears throat> 94 laps at an average of 195 miles an hour per lap. And didn't it feel like it was over just like that? It, and was. it wasn't. I mean, it was, but <laughs> to it, me, it was. Yeah, it was just like, what the hell just happened? Right. I mean, we sat there, but it was so we were so into it. Yeah, you we never wanted to so, leave. We became so part of the team. I mean, everybody that saw us acting the way we did on Fox Sports when we won the celebratory, you know, part of the race when the cameras panned in <laughs> on us, we're jumping. They're like, who in the Is hell? That our redneck? You side? remember that part in Happy Gilmore when the announcer's <laughs> like, well. uh... <laughs> Quite a celebration going on out the, here. The, <laughs> yeah, the beach ball goes across the freaking. Yeah, and it's, it was, I can yeah. imagine the announcers going, well, we can tell these guys have never been to Talladega. Uh, you know, we are losing our minds. But, the, you know, we haven't even gotten to the festivities and the camping and the and Talladega Boulevard and, and everything that went into it. But that race, watching Jay, how proud he was. And Jay was a little bit, I don't know, pessimistic, but he's like, yeah, he doesn't do good. And then after the first track, he's like, there's no way he can continue. And I'm like, no, he came out of that. He's fine. And I was just being overly optimistic, you know, praying that he's not done. And boom, sure enough, he comes out of that and then avoids that second wreck. Mm -hmm. And then almost wrecks again and gets clipped after he crosses the finish line into the wall to where he had to go get medical help after with a concussion and several concussion updates after in appointments with his medical doctors in Carolina. But, dude, they tow the 
truck in to Victory Lane. We're in Victory Lane. <laughs> We're literally in Victory Lane, and they're towing it in. Usually they drive it in, the winning car yeah, no. or the truck. They drive it in. This one was not drivable anymore. Dude, and it opened up that first wreck. We we I don't think we could really see how badly damaged it was front it was a uh, its front end was damaged when he 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 got some of that first wreck remember because it tore a oh, big yeah. hole uh, right below the banded logo and then it, and then we couldn't see it but the passenger side was damaged too and like you said they were taping all that back together and somehow he still he raced the entire race basically with a wrecked truck he should not have won that right. race right. he should not have won that race I watched it when I got back here. Oh, I watched it. I, I recorded it all on Fox and I watched the whole thing. And, you know, he's in 22nd place. Then he's in 17th. Then he's in 12th. And he just, we just kept pausing. Me, you, and Leith were like, he's going to come up. He's coming. And then we're like, if he can get in the top 10 with this many laps left, you know, and mm -hmm. his dad's educating us, then he did. But on that show, they're just, you got the announcers go crazy. And, you know, I want to talk about the partners we brought along Realtree. It's wrapped in Realtree Timber Camo. Over the bed where the bed of the truck would be, where they cover them in the NASCAR truck series, SCI Safari Club International. The whole tailgate is banded. The whole hood is Traeger. Mm -hmm. Then down the side, you got Benelli and Federal, the actual Real Tree Horns logo, the Foul Life, the Provider, American Almond Beef, Jargon Duck Calls. These are our brands on this car going around a super speedway on Fox Sports One. We got clearance from NASCAR for all of them, ammo, guns, camo, all of it, that they would not be blurred out, and they weren't. And you see them, and I'm getting texts the whole time from people at SCI and Federal and Benelli and Realtree. Like some of the Realtree guys were there up in the press boxes or in the VIP suites because they were they had a car on the in the Sunday race, in the big race. That ended up getting canceled for rain and postponed till Monday. Um, and that's where the let's go, Brandon. That's yeah. where that whole thing started. Yep. Was when we were at Talladega because she thought the crowd was saying, let's go, Brandon. That's hilarious after he won the race. But anyway, you know, bringing our partners along is so key to us because you don't see a lot of that anymore in sports. Like in UFC, you used to watch Matt Hughes or Brock Lesnar fight. They would have different ammo companies on there. Brock Lesnar had Federal Fusion on his fight shorts. He had Jack Links for a long time. He had too, Jack he? Links forever, but then it became the Reebok deal, and then they're not allowed to bring it. But even before that, when they signed the Fox deal, Fox wouldn't allow those shooting and gun companies on the shorts anymore, which is bullshit, but right. they didn't allow it. So it was really cool to be able to see our brands and our partners that we've been with for so many years. Benelli, a decade. Federal, a decade. Realtree, since 2003 or 2002. 2001 or 2002, we were with Realtree since Max 4. So to bring them along and to have everybody be a part of it and then win it. it's I'm, I keep going back to that because you go there and you're not you're not thinking that you're going to win. You're hoping you do. Yeah. But when it comes down to it and you're standing there and do, getting interviewed in Victory Lane and taking photos, dude, that was incredible. Did, did you think that that lap, that lap, that rap would have made it more than one race? Like... In my mind, I was, you know, because that, that was its first race after you did all that work, you know, and obviously you guys did what you do, got everything laid out, got it sent to an art person. They had to print it all out. They had to wrap that whole truck. You know, in my mind, I'm thinking it'll last, you know, a couple races. Then you might have to do it again, you know, or, you know, maybe one piece of it will have to get, you know, fixed. And Every race. Remember, we were talking about, like, well, if they if they scuff, you know, the banded thing, maybe he could send that piece to you and you could hang it on the wall or, you know, you could send. And then the truck has to be towed into victory. It's so damaged. It's got to be towed into victory lane. But 
like you said, dude, we won. So who cares? Like one, like great. The truck could be hung up on a bar somewhere in North Carolina. But the thing about it is even if he doesn't get touched or scuffed, they rewrap it the next week. Do they really? Yeah. With new numbers on it of, of what racetrack it is and all that shit. I did not know that. Yeah. And in that truck series, you can go race to race. You know, you might have a whole set of new sponsors the next week. Well, they jumped in that that crew truck. They left that day, I believe, for North Carolina. It, even though the race was a full week away, they were like hustling to two get two weeks away. Or was it two weeks? Yeah. They had to get back and build a new truck. Yeah. So they're hustling. Just to, they left. You know, hours later, and the moving parts of that NASCAR thing—that's a whole other podcast you could talk about. The private jets coming in and out with the, the drivers money, in them, and the, the crew, money, the buses, and the the crews are all in their own seven thirty sevens ripping. Because Dave was telling me like Vegas. They drive a, a car to Vegas, and then I guess there's another race like in Sacramento, but they'll take the semi all the way back to North Carolina, get a new car or whatever, and come all the way. They, they don't like – it's not like a band where they're just moving from place to place, and you know yeah. they're, they're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. The drivers, like you said, postponed on Sunday. They, you could see the private jets all leaving – Sunday, you they'll know, come back Monday. Then they fly right back in Monday and get ready to yeah, race again. Fifteen thousand in fuel. Yeah, it's crazy the amount of money that's going on, and but, the pe- but dude, I'm telling you, like the energy there. And I don't want to. I want to talk about J, you know Jay and Tate for a minute. Jay was a racer. Jay's dad was a racer. So Tate's third generation of NASCAR, and I'm just trying to like when I was 16, I started driving. Okay. I speed was pretty cool. You go 10 miles out over in a speed limit, you know, I got a ticket for going 27 in a 15 school zone one time, like an idiot. I forgot it was finals week. And I'm like, there's no way that it's still school zone. So I just kept going up by McQueen and freaking sure enough, bap, motorcycle cop. But to be 22, he was 21 when the race happened. He turned 22 since then to go 195 miles an hour. Do you know how freaking fast and how un- frightened like you don't get scared right you have no scare no fright of speed okay like my daughter Alyssa, she'll go on any roller coaster right now at 10 years old okay like any of them she just loves it she likes the speed the adrenaline this the fright imagine being tate his mom and dad would tell me that he would get in like a triple rollover in a go-kart and his mom my mom would be freaking out to the point you know she's a nurse she'd run out there thinking you're never racing again his mom i guess would just walk out there and pat him on the head go hey Get back in the race kind yeah. of attitude. Start driving again. Think about how f- you got to be no s- fright at all. You can't Zero. be scared of speed at all to be, and I know a lot of those drivers are, but a few select people make it as far as these guys have in their racing career to be on the track in the truck and then to qualify to the, the cars like Noah is and then to qualify from there to the big, you know, from the Infinity Series to the whatever the series is are. I don't even know what they are in NASCAR. Cup, I think, is the is the top one. But Xfinity is? Xfinity is where Noah races. It's Noah. And then the and top then one is, series is Cup the, Series. Yeah. So whatever the sponsor is of the Cup Series now um, – I remember when it used to be like Winston Cup Series when mm-hmm. when when cigarettes were allowed to be cigarettes, hard. Yeah. When Dale Earnhardt was blowing everybody. Remember the away Marlboro car it didn't have one other sponsor on it, just the <laughs> just red and white Marlboro. <laughs> everybody in the stands was smoking their product. Oh, yeah. um, but th- this kid has no fear, and neither does Noah. But dude, dude, these guys are going 195 miles an hour, and not just like oh, I'm gonna get on a on a clear runway and i know that this car is going to be able to handle this and i'm going to be stable they are inches away from the bumper of another car with another car's you know front bumper 
right next to their rear bumper and they're in and out and they're in the, and then the track is so unstable with those light beds of those trucks. They're just like, you know, they're none of it. Mm -hmm. It's secure. It's like turbulence the whole time in a plane. I was just going to say it, it is not like some, you know, safe, clear sky, you know, the, the the oil and dust and all that gets all over the windshield. Those dudes can sometimes can barely see what they're driving into, but they're still doing it 195 miles an hour. Uh, Dave was telling me one of Noah's key like attributes is, I guess, when you're going that fast, if you get like, you know, say one inch away from the wall, that air pressure that that is being generated from the car, it actually like holds you from hitting the wall. But if you're too far away from the wall or you're too close to the wall, then you will hit the wall. It's like a, it's like a, like that's what makes him a, an unreal driver is he'll get, you know, one inch from that wall doing 200 miles an hour and that air pressure actually holds him there. But one little mistake and you're wadded up. I mean, that's not safe. And they not, say it's, and they say if not, it's not when, if it's when yeah, oh yeah. the wrecks can happen. You have his dad kept telling us he's as long as he stays out of that first wreck. You know, everybody's doing it, and then pretty soon there's going to be a pileup. And sure enough, Talladega, they say that, right? Basically, yeah. yeah. I think like everywhere. Everywhere, maybe, yeah. There's all. It seems like there's always a wreck. Because in the Sunday, on the the car race later on that afternoon, Noah was in the lead and got clipped. Yep. There's always, like, I don't know, speed can hurt you, but there's always wrecks. That That's part of that strategy, too, that Dave was talking about. Like, if you, it, uh, we were, we were somewhere else, but they told me that, like, all the, all the top guys chose to kind of start in the back because I, I for some reason with covid now they're not doing the you know they used to do the you do a two lap uh you know for your pole position where you start and they're not doing that for some reason because of covid and they're not doing practice and stuff but anyway all those top guys chose to start further in the back for what you just said they knew there was going to be a wreck and it was probably going to happen early and that takes out like 15 cars right off the bat and you don't want to be in that, you know what I mean? And if everyone's gunning for that, you know, top 10 spot early, that's when the wrecks can happen. So like knowing all them, there was like seven guys that are somewhat affiliated with each other. I don't know if they race for the same team or they got the same similar sponsors, but they were back and that first wreck happened in their deal. And then, you know, they get, you know, like Dave was saying, all of a sudden you're instead of racing 40 you guys, you're racing 25. Yeah. So it's a strategy, it's a strategy to stay away thing. from it Yeah, and then use your, you know, you use that strategy to, after that first mangle happens, then you use your team to like get in and protect each mm -hmm. other and cushion each other to get into the lead. Yeah. That's Depending that. on whose car's running the fastest that day, there's got to be all these talk going on. I'm not making it. I got too much air leakage. I, I'm, you know, I'm yep. only down to this much gas. I'm going to help you push or whatever. There's got to be that going on. You could hear them. You know, you could hear them, the, the spotters, you know, that's what I think Brandon does. Uh, during the races as he spots for some of those guys. That's what he does. And they would say, you know, your help is two cars back. Because like you said, some of those guys aren't racing to win necessarily. Right. I mean, they'd love to, but, you know, like you said, maybe the car's not quite running right. So they'll go behind one of their teammates to help with the, the aerodynamics, right? Or they'll be in front of them, another Ricky Bobby, you know, doing the slingshot. But that's true. You know, that that's what those teammates do for each other. They're racing each other, but at the same time, they're helping each other. It is really a lot more strategy in it than I ever would have thought. A lot of strategy and a lot of communication. Like there is constant communication 
between the spotter, the crew chief, the crew chief to the crew. He might be talking to one guy of like, let's leave these three tires on. Let's just change that one. Just do the front two tires. Bring this side up a little bit. And they jack it up a little bit and like put, they're doing things to like elevate that car. And then what really blew my mind is the the shape of the track as far as the incline. Mm -hmm. Like I always just pictured flat tracks and you hear that. Dude, Talladega is steep. Banked. Really It's banked, banked, right? Yeah. And in the corners, it's like super banked. Like, Dave was saying, if you go to walk up that corner, you know, you'll you'll be huffing and puffing by the time you get to the top of it because there's no, you know, it's just a, a flat surface that you're just digging into, you know, it, you know, crazy. But that's how they can do 185 miles an hour around a corner, I guess, you know, that's part of it. Did you think that, were you surprised at how, like, the communication in the pits, I kept listening to them, like, they were like, there was a lot of like, there's no way we can win this kind of attitude, you know, like, is this really kind of happening? And I, I don't know, like, I guess I was just being rookie and being naive a little bit, but I thought that for sure we have a chance to win this freaking race. And I think that it, what it was is that when we walked in, you know, like when we met Tate and we walked to the truck for the first time, we had the best looking truck at Talladega. Oh, so like many- all the other drivers were walking up to him going, dude, what's this? What's this? They, they didn't expect that at all. And so many people came over and took pictures and like, I don't know if you noticed that, but there was a bunch of photographers that came over and took pictures. Oh, yeah, and, dude. Uh, you know, I, I, I halfway took it kind of as I think like NASCAR and car racing and hunting, they go together, right? I mean, that, that I would bet that most of the people in that crowd at some point in their life hunted or do hunt. And probably there were some real avid hunters out there. So when they see those things on there, they get excited. You know, you, that's how I felt. I was so excited and just felt so confident that for some reason this, it just came over me. Like we're going to, we're going to do good in this freaking race. I kept telling us that we're going to get this. we got this. Now I will admit when it got down to the six cars that were out in the front doors, that last couple laps, I was like, we're going to be in the top five in Talladega. And I was like, this and is, that was a, good. This is a good day. Yeah. I thought, this is a really good day, man. We're going to be in the top five, Final couple laps down the stretch, checkered flags, finale mm-hmm. of the race, and boom. I don't know if I really thought we're going to celebrate in victory lane. We're going to celebrate in victory lane. And when that car got pulled in there, you could hear the announcer being like, would everybody look at this car? Can you believe it? And I was just like, damn, dude, all of our partners are watching this on Fox, seeing Traeger on the hood of the winning truck. Like, I was just ecstatic that, that, that the way it all went down. And I – and. You know, because he basically came through the finish line sideways wrecking. Sideways wrecking. And then after he came through it, he got in a big wreck. Yeah, then he hit, yeah. and But that's like the highlight reel. And and several people that are way more into NASCAR than you and I are were like, dude, that'll be the that'll be the footage shown. For the next six, for the seven next, years. Yeah, th- like him coming through sideways through a finish line at Talladega is like, that's what racing is all about, right? Yeah. You don't want to see some guy that's, 10 car lengths in front of the closest, you know, one win the race. Like, great. You want to see him freaking bumper to bumper, door to door, just, just like it was. mashing, sparks flying, you know, some dude comes through, wins by half a car length sideways. Dude, that's that's the fairy tale ending. Yeah, it was fairy tale picture perfect, just like holy shit kind of attitude. Like that oh shit moment you have in your life. Like mm-hmm. Like we could always say, oh, we went to Talladega and we done it. But Dave DeRosa, who's been to every race, I think the guy's fanatic, right? He's a group. Goes to every race. He 
says, you've got to be kidding me. Your first time ever, you guys win the race. And then people are just blowing us up. Uh, you need to be at every race. You're our good luck charm. You need to be at every race. You need to be at every race. And, you know, I had a big phone call with them today. And I'm hoping that we get to do this a little bit more in 2022. That's what the goal is right now. I want now. to be a groupie like Dave. Huh? I want to be a groupie like Dave. Just travel to every race? I mean, we haven't even discussed what the infield is like and. Talladega, like you said, dude, Talladega Boulevard. It's like Burning Man for Rednecks. The concert. The, I mean, it, dude, it, it was insane. Our buddy Dustin Lynch played the concert. We had Leith Lofton there playing, his, picking the guitar, and we had an unbelievable coach, motorhome coach for us, slept us all comfortably, air-conditioned. Um, the cooking, the camaraderie, the family aura, like, heck yeah, come into our camp. People mm -hmm. that have never met us. And do we're just standing there drinking their beer and eating their food and sharing a Jack Daniels cocktail with them at night and just and then like a lot of those people though, it was it blew my mind that as far as the race goes as a whole, there was not many people leave that infield if that's where you're at. Right. You like there's a lot of people in the stands, don't get me wrong, but if you're in the infield, you watch the race from there. You don't leave there at all. No. It's like and, to try to get a vantage point because you can only see so much of the track from where you're at, given whatever part you're at in the infield. Yeah, and and I think we were on turn three. Mm -hmm. I, I, yeah. We were. So turn three, you know, right when they were coming out of them, they're hauling. And it it you know, it's all grass and motorhomes and people just I mean, that's it's their it's hard to say Burning Man for racing because maybe some people don't know what Burning Man is, but people had hot tubs out there, like inflatable hot tubs, inflatable swimming pools, fire pits, you know, everyone had cornhole boards set up, you know. Every there time was theme, there was theme camps yeah. everywhere. You go down Talladega Boulevard, it was all theme camps like Burning Man. That's why I compared it to Burning Man because yeah. Burning Man's really built on, you know, a, a theme camp kind of attitude. There's they, regular they were, camping. They were their own like bar owners for a, a three day weekend, dude. Like hundred percent people and, and people cooking. People that one guy had all that moonshine and different, you know, iced tea uh, dispenser things. They had like eight different flavors of homemade moonshine and all for free. Yeah, all for free. Like for what, tips. Like they're just having fun doing it. Yeah. Selling merch. Some guys were selling merch, but there was all kinds of theme camps. Sports bars, golf courses yeah. set up. There was a strip a strip club set up. Obviously, there wasn't full nudity, but and guys were up there too, but big music playing and just, just everybody coming together. Like nut stuff. And then to see like Noah walk down Talladega Boulevard that night after he got crashed and he was part a little bit dude can you imagine 22 years however ever i don't even know how old noah is now 23 24 25 maybe he's signing autographs and taking pictures he didn't say no to one person nope they love him yeah they freaking love him well i think it's that you know he's a he's he's a tangible right kurt, touchable kurt, yeah kurt bush isn't gonna be walking down maybe he is but i didn't see any other drivers down there and we were down there every night we were there I, I don't know if that's a good thing to admit or not, but... Uh, Why wouldn't it be? That's what you're supposed to do when you go to places like that. Is it? I thought you were supposed to go to bed early and get a good night's sleep. To party at Talladega? I don't know. I don't know. When I, I, hear, Tal when I no. hear Talladega or I ask anybody about Talladega, I talk to many people that have been there. From Jack Daniels to Traeger to country music people, they're like, you will never go to a better. Now, Daytona's awesome. It's like another party, but it's on a different level of like, it's not as country. You know, we're, we're country. We're more country. Mm -hmm. But... They said you'll never experience anything like it when it comes to NASCAR. I felt like we could have done a better job. It was our first one, and and I hope that we'll be back. I know we'll be back. But don't you think that we deserve a little spot on Talladega Boulevard? 
for next year, what yeah. would we do? Barbecue, I, yeah, grill? Yeah, you know, you got some Traegers up. You got an easy up going. You, music, little dude, stage. Music. Oh, yeah. I think it could be legit. A lot like NWTF, but outside and louder. You know what I mean? It'd be fun. Oh, my God. Are you going again for sure? 100%. Have you already got your tickets? No, but I heard there's a spring one and a... Where'd we... Would yeah. you have considered that a summer one we just went to? No, fall. I guess fall? I, fall, yeah, I think. Well, what month was it in? It was in October, October wasn't it? Yeah, so I guess it was fall, huh? It's fall. So there's a, spring, there and a, a fall. spring and a fall one. I'd like to go to both. You really? I think so. Really? I'd like to see some of the other ones. Like Daytona, I heard, is fun. They like said... That. Dave said that the North Carolina one, because that's like the home of NASCAR. Yeah. His buddy's got a uh, condo that overlooks Yeah, it. dude. Like the, the glass windows open up and you're right on the speedway. Like you're, That'd but it's cool. his house. It'd be cool. I don't think that would be as cool. Like I like being, I think, down in the infield and. Yeah, I, I, I would like to. I, I don't think I would go. I would go all the time, but I would have to make sure that I get to sit in that pit box somehow, some yeah. way. That was killer. Even if it was just for 10 laps. That feeling and that speed and that freaking energy is just like, dude, you could just, you know, cut through it with a freaking knife of how like intense the intensity is unreal in those races. It was like a pro, like, like, you know, like all the pit dudes were stretching, like they were getting ready to play freaking nine innings of baseball. All all, all aspects of it was like, was professional, you know, like when you go to spring training and you see those dudes getting ready to play baseball, like when you perform at that level – it's a different like the whole vibe is different. Dude. Yeah, and you're doing something that potentially puts your body. And I, I'm not saying that not all sports do, but when you're going 195 miles an hour, you don't want to make a mental mistake. Well, or you, if you notice, the first two pit guys go out in front of the car. Yeah, you so are. they're coming 55 miles an hour down pit row. I think that's the speed limit, and those dudes try to be at the speed limit because that's it. how you do it fast. The first two guys go in front of him. It's nuts. If he doesn't hit the brakes right or he, you know, they misjudge that, you're getting hit by a car going 40 miles an hour, 50 miles an hour. Yeah. They, they all wear helmets and pads. One and, guy, you know, because they, they're ripping off those lug nuts so fast in those tires. When Noah was pulling out, his tire hit one of them. And did you see that guy? It took it in the shin. Oh, yeah. That, he, like, peeled out on it and it flung it, it back flung at him. It flung up and yeah. smoked. Could you, like, that could go in your eye. Anything. I mean, there's all kinds of shit that could happen down there. Well, think about the dudes with the gas cans. Like, you're holding... 15 gallons of race fuel, you know, right down pit row from us, there was a car, its brake was on fire. You know, now you're throwing race fuel around that. Think about if there was a fire in the pit. That Those dudes, you know, they they had a little flame retardant uh, apron on, but they weren't like, they wouldn't have been protected against a fire with that fuel in their hands. Dude. No, it's a no. dangerous, dangerous gig. You know, I, I guess it goes without saying when you're driving that fast and all that, but... Every aspect of that of that sport's pretty dangerous, dude. What about the um, what about the whole idea of when you're down there in that pit deal? Like, wonder what the stress is on each pit member. You know, like if a shortstop boots a ball, oh, and you're yeah, like, dude. oh shit, man! Like, you know, your team picks you up. But what if like you get down there and you just completely just just shit the bed on what your job is right at that time? You know, they're watching them, dude. Like, they gotta be like, you get fired on the spot. You think? I bet you they, I mean, I bet you they do. I, I bet you there's, you know, if, if you miss a lug nut and you're the wrench guy, there's another, there's another person that wants your spot on the, on the team. You know what I mean? Yes. It's funny. Like the, they say they're always waiting for the fuel guy and it's not the fuel guy's fault, obviously, but it just takes a while for the gas to go from the can to the truck. But you know, when you see the intensity of 
everybody there is they don't want to be like waiting around you know what i mean there's like you could feel like that i i don't i don't want to single the fuel guy out but he was the last one to be done in that in the pits every time it's not his fault it's just how it works but they're like they want to get going 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 yeah. and it's like to where they're driving away and the, the, the fuel still spilling out. It, dude. Yeah, yeah and it's, dude. it's like pulling out of the, like you left it in there at the convenience store when you're getting gas and drove away, which I have done, and ripped the entire hose off of You've the. You've done that before? Twice, going to duck camp. <laughs> being so excited. That's called being fucking excited. Just being, being fucking yeah, excited. Just yeah. Totally fired up. Yeah. Just being like, oh shit. Just yeah. pulled the whole hose right out of the freaking display, <laughs> out of the pump. Yeah, man, I thought that, that the whole attitude of, I guess just the whole experience, man. Being able to be welcome like that and then being able to go right to the truck after and spend time with Tate and his dad, Jay, and just seeing how, you know, he calm, calms himself down and he's a little worried for the concussion. He's not feeling the best, but he's very humble for winning Talladega. I would have been just doing backflips oh. and shit, but he knows that that's just the start of it. That's just a little tiny bit of his ladder climb to the top of what he wants to achieve in the speed racing world, right? Yep. Like he wants to go to the cars next. Then he wants to graduate on to the Cup Series. That's where the big money is. And he's on his way, dude. At 21 years old, maybe he's already won a major. I wonder if that's average. I mean, I don't know. I, don't I wonder if so. all those truck drivers are that young. There's, well, I'm sure there's some, but I think he's probably on the, the younger end of that spectrum. I mean, there's guys that have been racing in the Truck Series for 10, 15 years, you know, that almost as long as he's been alive, you know, and he's... Worked his way up. What do you, what does Dad say? He started with the go karts and you know worked his way up through that series and or learned how to drive in that series and then because the trucks are they're by no means like the starting point. You know he's he's done a lot of racing up to that point and he's obviously gone through. Well, you got it quick. the dirt track. You got the funny cars. You got I mean there's a lot of stuff that gets you up to that point. Right. I mean there's only forty people in that race. Right. Out of all the racers in every state that are on these Friday night circuits and shit, mm -hmm. there's forty of them on that track. When you could hear him on the dirt track Friday, yeah, Friday night. Yeah, all shoot, night. they race till like two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, fanatics. And those guys There's are some all of those NASCAR guys that'll go get in one of those too. Really? Yeah, like Probably the for fun. The baddest ass NASCAR driver in the country right now. What's his name? He's won like four in a row. I was gonna say it depends who you're who you follow. <laughs> well, it's the guy that just the, the guy that also won Talladega or what? No, he didn't win Talladega. Do you look at Noah on the NASCAR Instagram? Oh, that's cool. That's sick, huh? Does he still have that mullet? Huh? Does he still have a mullet? Um, no, that's not him. Yeah, he's got a mullet. If I had hair, I'd have a mullet right now, too. Is it Kyle Larson? I don't know. Kyle Larson. He's won, like, everything. And he'll still go do the dirt track? And he still does the dirt track, if I remember right. But they said he's won like five in a row, I thought. I'm going to make sure. Hold on. I'm not. Let me go to. He races for Ken, uh, KR, Kendrick Racing. And I know all about Kendrick Racing. You do? I don't know. <laughs> you want to, though. Oh, they're, they're, they're six hours ago, NASCAR said why Kyle Larson will win the 2021 NASCAR Cup Series Championship. They're already calling him the... Uh, the winner, he's number one. You're right, headed to Phoenix. How many has he won in a row? He won like four in a row, I think. <laughs> uh, it's funny that I can find out that he's five six before I can find out how many uh, he's won in a row. <laughs> anyway, he's like he's that guy that 
Yeah, he'll still go over. Like if you go to his, um, let me just, I want to make sure, and I hope that we're not born. I'm, I want to talk about Kyle Larson for a minute because this dude is on a different level. He is still a dirt racer too. I just saw okay, that. Okay, so then I'm right. I don't even know what his. What's his name? Kyle Larson? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Wonder why he's not on. Is he on Instagram? I don't know. Uh, he's won three in a row, three in a row, twice in the same season. It's never been done before. They say it's his craziest record. Yeah, he did just win again. He just won in Martinsville mm-hmm. again. I'm looking on his Instagram right now. At Kyle Larson Racing, R-A-C-I-N. Yeah, there's several pictures of him that he'll just go climb on the dirt track too. The dude's on a different level. I think that's awesome. What a stud, huh? But our boy Tate and Noah, I think Noah's going to be that guy. I think he's going to be that guy that we're going to be watching have a memorable career on Sundays just because he's got it. You know, he's he's got that pizzazz and that umph. He's a fan favorite. He's unapologetic. He's confrontational. He'll get in a little fist fight down there if he has to. He says what he feels. He's a little bit of the outlaw, you know what I mean? Uh, he's a hunter. I, I guess, I mean, I, I kind of knew that, but... Who? Tate. Tate's a big-time hunter. Yeah. I just saw... I was just... When you brought him up, I looked. He's standing in front of a... They call him a 4 by 4 over there, or is it an 8-point? Well, if it's he's a whitetail, it's an 8-pointer. It's an 8-point he's standing with. But yeah, Talladega, man. I'm telling you, if anybody gets the chance to go... It doesn't matter if you're a huge race fan. It's that whole idea of camaraderie and just just unbelievable energy that's what i got out of it i loved it and it's one of those deals where thank god it's only three days long because you literally don't rest there you're going all day long and then you're freaking up at night there's something to be doing every minute of every day and night and it's kind of like those those camps at talladega they don't go to sleep until the wee hours of the morning so it was kind of left up to us with our discipline of when we would go back to camp but all in all, Talladega 2021, Young's Motorsports, Noah Gregson, I know you're not with Young's, but I know Tate is, and Jay Fogelman, Tate Fogelman, Brandon McReynolds, everybody just blew my mind that they invited us in with open arms, rolled out the red carpet, and just ki- killed it for us. Congratulations, Tate Fogelman truck number 12 nascar truck series thank you for letting us bring our brands our partners brands the provider was on there dude the freaking provider Mm -hmm. we just started the provider five months ago can you imagine how popular these rubs are let's talk about the provider for a minute we literally you saw the boxes going out today i was gonna say i think you owe me a workers comp claim lifting all them boxes they just came in to last week and they're all gone we got another big load coming in at the beginning of December. Our cookbook launches November 9th. You've seen it. It's beautiful. You're taking a bunch to sell, by the way. You they need to start nice. performing. Okay? I'm not kidding. Door-to-door book sales like an old-school Bible salesman? Yeah. People door would to buy door. Well, You just go in there with like a taste test. You pull off the Tupperware cover. Go ahead and taste <laughs> Put that Put this pork in your microwave chop. for 30 seconds, and let me talk to you about this book. Yeah. Go in there like freaking, uh, what's his name in Napoleon Dynamite? Uncle Rico. Kip. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uncle Rico, when he's selling all the Tupperware. <laughs> Remember when he runs he the Tupperware? He over the one, he just drives off. <laughs> just keeps driving off, throws the football over the mountain. But, dude, this brand is awesome. 
I, I want people to know that these rubs are different. We've set them, they've set themselves apart. We worked hard on them. They're delicious. Vegetables, even some cocktails, some desserts I've used them on. Peach cobbler, I've used the swine on, the sweetness. We used swine the other night in Napa on on American almond beef tri-tips. So it's a made for wild boar pork rub. You know, it could be domestic pork, chops, mix full pork. Mix them up. Put them on your asparagus. Put them on your broccoli. Put them on your meats. Put them on your wild game. I've, I've had them on everything. We were dipping uh, vegetables into the covey that day at Andy Perwin's when we were cooking with them. It was delicious. Yeah. Oh, it was like, I, I was almost like, remember that ranch seasoning? Yeah, you put a packet. little bit of that on a ranch. It's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Um, the ultimate pack of all 10 is selling like crazy. People love the little suitcase packaging that we have in the box. Our slogan is finish what you started. I think that's perfect. Clay came up with that. We've trademarked it. Um, let me, let me just say one thing because I, if you watch any of these guys cook, Chad and any of them, you know, the guys from Traeger, you think you won't use 10 bottles of rub, but it, to get that good flavor, you use a, a significant amount of that rub, dude. You know what I mean? Like, oh, dude. it's not like shaking salt and pepper on cooked food when you're talking about doing a rub, right? Just, just answer or talk about that for one second, because it's something that I didn't really, if you watch any of these dudes cook on Instagram, like I said, or, or you, or you, you put a significant amount of that rub on raw meat, right? I mean, it's a, it's a. Dude, if I, I you're gonna some, run out, is what I'm saying. T- Tuffy Stone, who's a six-time world champion, become a good friend of mine through the Jack Barbecue deal. He, we did his pork butts with him. Every inch, mm-hmm. he slobs it on there and then pats it in. You don't massage it in. He's, he showed me the technique that he uses, but every square inch of every pork butt. If you're doing if you're doing a real feed of ribs or a pork, a couple pork butts or a brisket or what, you're going to use a jar of rub a week right. if you are if you cook as much as we do. Now, if you're not cooking every... We cook every day in camp. I cook every day here. I use provider rubs, two different provider rubs today, the crosshairs and the drop tine on the lunch I've made for the crew today. Every day I'm using that rub and I don't... I'm not bashful with it. Right. You can't be. There's. It's not a lot. It's very low sodium, if any salt at all. So you're getting nothing but flavor. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a nutritional hindrance or whatever. But even like a steak, you know, if you watched, if you watched, uh, you know, somebody cook a steak and you watch a, a, a quote unquote pro or a chef, they season the, what would be like the outer edge of a steak. You don't just sprinkle it on, on the part, you know, the, 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 the larger part of a steak, they do the spine of it, if you will, or whatever. It, it, that's just it's it's that's something that's new to me. You know what I mean? Like when I see the guys do that, but it makes sense. You know, you you got to have that all over it. You got to you've got to have the the flavoring. Well, it's coming in from different pores all over the up against the bone on like a bone in ribeye or a tomahawk. Or if you're talking, you know, if you're talking about ribs and stuff, a lot of people are trying to figure out how do you get the most flavor. This is becoming of a mindset of. What do you want your barbecue, your grilling, your meat to taste like or your vegetables? Where are you going to get the most flavorful? I was thinking about it today of like not bragging at all, but like the whole crew today on this meal I made today was like, what in the frick? This is unreal. What is the sweetness in it? And I'm like, oh, those are grapes. I took grapes, purple grapes. They're kind of going bad. Alyssa hasn't been eating them fast enough. Took them. They still had their firmness to them. Cut them up into thirds. Put that in there at the very end of this to mix it with those seasoning salt, you know, the, the salts and the the rubs I was using, <clears throat> and it just set it off. So mm. I was thinking to myself, 
when you watch Top Chef or Gordon Ramsay or Wolfgang Puck or some of these, you know, these awards that these restaurants win for being a top chef in America or in the world, um, their palates, like how do you get to that point of being able to tell somebody that their cooking sucks? Or how would one of them judge what I made today? Would they be like, oh, this is good? Or would they just pick it apart and be like, this is slop, right? A pig wouldn't eat this, which I'm sure they would. That's what my guess would be. But it was awesome. So I'm, my point is, is that there's palates that are classically trained, like Tuffy's clo- classically trained in French culinary cuisine. Okay, so he's also developed this taste of American traditional barbecue that he's won. He, all these judges are like, holy shit, this is unreal. You don't win six world championships if you're not one of the best ever, period. He's won the Jack three times. Okay, so it's the most sought-after victory there is. Most prestigious award to win in barbecuing. You got the Houston, you got Memphis and May, Kansas City Royal. Uh, The Jack is the most prestigious. And they cook just ribs or? No, it's ribs, pork butt, chicken, um, and I'm missing one. Chicken, there's four meats. Ribs, pulled pork, chicken. Brisket? And brisket. So there's one beef. Um, so, and then you got to, you know, place pretty high in it. You know, you got to at least get a couple of top tens in those to be the overall grand champion. But they they freaking cover their meat with rubs. And it's because that rub gets in there in different ways. And Tuffy explains it on the podcast we did with him here about how that rub gets on there. But, and you know, this goes back to Talladega. We cooked the barbecue that one night using a bunch of the provider rubs, and people go nuts for them. These rubs are t- completely different. And they, you do go through them. So when people get the jar, they're like, oh, this is going to last forever because they are larger jars, 14, 14 and a half ounces. They go quick. I put them on everything, dude, everything. I did yeah. chili the other day with the Sonora. Bam. At the very end, I put a little tiny bit of swine in there for a little bit of sweetness to complement the spiciness I had in it. Perfect. Now, again, Gordon Ramsay would be like, what is this? That's what I'm trying to figure out in life is, <coughs> excuse me, what, where do you have to be in that taste? You know, where do you have, <coughs> where do you have to be to get somebody to be like the overall consensus of a food critic or the, the episode we did here on a foodie for people to be like, wow, that's good. Or is it just the people that work for me tell me my cooking's good? Because they don't want me to be they pissed. They hurt your feelings, yeah. But they're yeah. like, this is really good. And they run up there, like sprint up there, pushing each other out of the way to get seconds. No, I I think you cook very well. And I mean, like I said. I, this I, isn't a, a bragging no, session. No, no, I know. I'm just trying to say, like, I was thinking about it today. Like, in barbecue, you could go back in your backyard, and I'm not trying to interrupt you. I apologize. But you could make your ribs and be like, oh, we used enough. But when you really get a good rib, you're like, holy shit. Yeah. And how did you do that? Oh, well, I applied the smoke like this. I applied the heat like this. I applied the dry rub like this. I did a brine like this. I did this. I checked it at this. I wrapped it at this point. I did all this shit. You know, and then you learn like, well, what's the texture supposed to be? What's the Mm. bite supposed to be? I learned what the bite on chicken skin was supposed to be like. What is it? Bite through. And then when you pull it away, there's no pull. There's no rubbery. It's just bite through. It's not crispy and burnt. It's like that perfect texture of like what a hamburger, the bun through the meat to the the veg to the onion to the tomato to the lettuce to the bottom bun, like that perfect bite you get. You know, like when the bottom bun's too saggy and you're like, this ain't no McDonald's. Everything squirts out the back. Yeah, like that. You don't, it goes into that. But when you feel the perfect chicken bite, in which I did in, in Lynchburg a couple weeks ago at the Jack Daniels, I was like, holy shit, this is unbelievable. That good. Like legit chicken and do the flavors. But again, on the chicken, I was watching him do it. And I'm like, wow, they really do go all out with the dry rub. 
And I've seen it with Chad Ward and Matt Pittman. You, I mean, you use a lot of dry rub, dude. That's what. Don't if, be scared of a ten bottle pack because it. Yeah. Now you know if you if you eat fish, once a week at the most, you might you know you're you're a flaky and your spawn, which comes in the ultimate pack, which are amazing by the way. Yeah, I put spawn on something. People are like, "What is this? It tastes like a sushi bar." It really does. Little wasabi, little butter flakes, little soy. It's got the ginger in there. It is freaking delicious. So is the flaky. You put that in flour and do a little fish fry with it. Bomb. Jim Ray, who's very critical of food, and he's a very good cook. He's like, "This is the best fish I've ever had with that." When we fried some fish one night, you put those rubs in flour when you did those turkey uh, wild yeah. turkey nuggets too, which I I'd never really seen anyone do. Could you still taste it in the fry? In the oh yeah, really? I use a lot of it, but you got to have that flour as a base. So you can't just rub them yeah, and then yeah, flash no, them. You know? But that flour, you know, with the, with what if you're using egg or whatever, that's going to be like your you dip the meat in the egg and then you put it over in your flour mixed with your rubs, and you get that flavoring um, in the chicken on the wings, dude. Batter chicken yeah. wings. Now I use so much rub on chicken wings, all dry rub. That's all how I love rub. them. Like at a restaurant or bar, I always get them dry. I like yeah. dry rub. Yeah, yeah. Which I'll give a little plug to Flowing Tide. Moscow's dry rub wings are legit. Really legit, legit. Whatever Ming's doing with them, I hope to get that business someday with our rubs. But they are legit, legit. Did you give them some samples? Oh yeah, they're putting American almond beef in there too. The burger and the New York. What's up with that, dude? American Almond Beast blowing up. But anyway, I want to talk about the provider just because I, I'm so proud of it because it really is good. It really, truly is. It looks good. It's packaged right. Mm-hmm. It gives you that pride, kind of like we were talking about at the beginning of this podcast with meat. When you take that 10-pack out and you take your swine out or you take your flaky out or you take your crosshairs or your fowl. Fowl is our second best seller. Swine's our number one seller. Fowl's too. Fowl's unbelievable. On chicken, unreal turkey amazing duck best i've ever had dave stanley says best duck he's ever done with dry rub it's it dude it soaks into that meat you might as well think you're eating a marinade i'm not bullshitting you at all and that's an, that's so one that, of the key ones that people you know people will complain about duck duck and it's that pride that you take in taking that deal off okay you take that 10 pack out and I'm like, everybody's like, well, they're just going to throw this box away. I'm like, no, they're not. And nobody is. They're sending picture after picture and DMs and tagging us on social media and all that shit. They got on the kitchen which, counter. It looks and, awesome. And they got on the kitchen counter. They got in their hunting lodges. They got in their trailer. They got in their truck. They're, they're bringing it with them on the road. And, they, and it's just that pride. And then when you put that rub back in there and you fold up the box and you put it back, you start visualizing, well, what's next? What am I doing next? What am I doing tomorrow? It's, it's going to make people want to become a better provider. That was what our goal is. Our goal and our hope was that people saw it and were like, I want to be a better provider. I want to provide better and cook better and make my food taste better. And we're doing it every day. We're not yeah. the best. I mean, I've eaten Mendez's food. Great. Chad Ward's great. Matt Pittman, great. A lot of people can cook and make food taste good. Clay's great at it. Vegetables and gardening and mixing meats and salts and, and spices and, and sweeteners and everything that goes into it. My mom can I mean, there's so many great at-home cooks and backyard, what we call aficionados out there. I just want them to like take that pride of like, dude, let's go garden. Let's go kill a, a rabbit. Let's go kill a fish. Let's go eat what we kill, right? Let's go be a better fisher, better hunter, better provider, better gatherer. And that's what the whole main, you know, that's what the whole mindset is right now is let's become better providers. We need that more than ever in our communities right now. Oh Truly. We're on a we're on a downward spiral going the wrong way. And we need people to step up and be like, no, no more of this you bullshit. Hear, people have only been taught to consume hundred percent and not provide, you know. Drives me nuts. Provide for yourself, provide for your family. If you got enough, provide for your friends. It's um, huge right now. 
Don't get into politics. I refuse. don't want to get into it. We should do another one, though. Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> um, what, anything else that we got to talk about today? I mean, it'd be cool to bring Dave in and talk a little bit more of the finer points in NASCAR. Maybe we'll do that. But, no, I think – I hope today everybody got the same uh, desire to go to – talladega in the spring because i'm going to be there again i want it to be packed we're going to be at talladega again congratulations tate fogelman number 12 truck series nascar congratulations mr j can't wait to be working with y'all more thank you brandon mcreynolds thank you dave double d derosa double d the storyteller i love listening to you talk david i've known dave for a long freaking time now 1997 He's done a lot for me, He's him and his dude. wife, Kelly. How You know, we broke down Kid Rock, and he came up in that conversation, too. He was at that concert that night. Had a blast. He was at Kiss, too. Dave's a well-traveled man. He's a renaissance man, maybe. Dude, he's freaking... Well, when I mean, he worked his ass off. He's smart. He's got a, made a good living. He's humble. He is so modest, and he just likes to have a good time and have fun with his friends. I love him, dude. I love him and his wife. They're yeah, great freaking great. people. Love them. If you're listening out there too, Wade Platts, we love you too, Big Wade. I know you listen to this podcast. Wade Platts, Dave DeRosa, Nevada Payroll Services, for all of your payroll needs. I don't even know if they could take on another client, but if you need your payroll done and taxes and everything that goes into being legit and making sure that you're doing everything by the book, federal government, state agencies, all the governments locally, Nevada Payroll Services, NPS, Wade Platts, Double D, Dave DeRosa, Chad Belding, Alex Crosby, This Life Ain't For Everybody, Breaking It Down series. Again, congrats, Tate Fogelman, Brandon McReynolds, Jay Fogelman, Miss Fogelman, the entire Young's Motorsports Racing team. Thank you, NASCAR, for having us along. Can't wait to be back. Tom, Jake, take us out. What song can we go out with? Here we go. Motley Crue, Kickstart My Heart is oh, going to take man. us out of this episode. Take it, Vince Neil, Mick Morris, Nikki Six, and Tommy Lee. Blow our eardrums out. Thank you all for joining us. <laughs>